0: my aesthetic branding marketing entrepreneurship you're listening to
1: the kiss my aesthetic podcast i'm your host michelle winterstein of mkw creative co where we build brag worthy brands through visual identity design and social media you're in the right spot for branding marketing and entrepreneurship advice so enjoy the episode Greetings, and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast, guys. I'm so excited to have Catherine LaMandrie on. This is the San Diego Open Recap. Welcome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How many times have you been on the podcast? I think this is like the fourth.
0: Third or fourth.
1: Third or fourth. Um, yeah. But we just collaborated on a huge, I think the biggest project I've ever worked on ever in my whole life, aside from like the clients that are paying ongoing retainers.
0: Would you agree? Yeah. I think for mine, it, it's definitely one of the biggest projects I've done. For we sure. We
1: David. This project was Goliath. We killed it. <laughs> yeah we did um but man it was a lot of work and so we want to use this podcast episode as an opportunity to really tie everything up that we learned in like a big bow because i know a lot of you guys were watching and and following along and to kind of show how we approach this and also demonstrate some of the lessons that we learned along the way um and maybe what we would do differently to do it again another time so let's kind of kick off with how this project even started um and how you brought me on which is really your side of the story Catherine.
0: So it started with, I had a contact from my previous job who I've done some work for throughout the years. And he contacted me and asked about building out his website. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to do the website. He goes, hey, would you consider doing the social media? And I said, no, I would not. And, (laughs) um, but he sent me, you know, what they were looking for on social. And I thought, based on their budget and what they were looking for and their goals, truthfully, um, being, we need to make this young, hip a lot of the comparison was to locally here in San Diego we have the farmers insurance open and how their whole vibe is like just come to the event just come and enjoy it you don't have to like golf just come and enjoy it and that was really the goal and i was thinking about how to position it that i didn't want to do the social and when i saw what they needed and what their budget was i immediately called you and i said would you even be interested in doing this cuz i know that you know for your social you have rules about like having created the brand typically before you take it on so that you have a full understanding of it, which is definitely something we ran into with this one. Um, But yeah. And then you said, yeah, this sounds fun. And here we are. (laughs) And here we are.
1: Oh my gosh. That was June. Yeah. Four or five months later now. um, Yeah. It was like, Again, something that I don't think we could have anticipated to grow this no big. Way. Yeah. But let's kind of break down roles and responsibilities. So, Troy came to you and said, "I need help with the website and social." Yeah. Um, but then it turned into much more than that. So, if you had to summarize everything that you've touched for San Diego Open, um in just kind of like a bulleted list, what were some of the things
0: you did? And then I'll run through some of the things I did. I mean, I think the the overall scope in essence was the marketing it was for us to take over marketing, including social media. Um, so there's emails, development, influencers, and paid advertising were the three main things. Uh, but additionally, it was like design work and just all the collaterals for the event. And then what, what it kind of morphed into though with that, and you know, I have experience in sports events and sponsorships and all that kind of stuff is that those are the types of things that started trickling down where we're doing some sponsor handholding, and helping with sponsor fulfillment. And additionally, you know, in in addition to building out the website, that was like my primary, the first thing we had to do was build out the whole website, make it completely functional from the fans perspective. And, and interestingly, neither of us knew anything about tennis, like we're fans, but like operationally, we didn't know the lingo and any of that. So we've learned it for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think that that was kind of a blessing and a curse, um, mm-hmm. but almost more blessing because then we could put ourselves in the shoes of who they wanted this new market to be, right? They exactly. wanted just like come have fun, enjoy that pro sports are in San Diego and not be yeah. so worried so much about the players and their stats and their ranking and their. because that part was kind of more, it's important, but that's also something that you'll get every other tournament, whereas like our differentiating factor was like this is in San Diego and this is going to be fun. So kind of some of the ro- responsibilities you brought to me were like, okay, we need to like tighten up the aesthetics um, because they don't really have anything. And then you wanted help with social. And I, my response was like, okay, well we'll do Instagram and TikTok, but I'm not touching Facebook. And I'm not yeah. touching Twitter and I'm not touching YouTube and I'm not touching like all those other platforms. Like, Which I was know what, one boundary we stuck to. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Which I'm really glad that we did because I think it allowed us to kind of like stay, or at least with my team, stay in our, our zone of genius. Right. Um, So from there, instead of, and this is one of the things that I think in hindsight, I could have asked more questions about, was what the branding existing was. Um, So instead of quoting it as a full branding project, it was more of you and I sitting side by side as you were overseeing me and I was white white labeling under you um, of like, okay, what is the branding? What should this look like? How do we start to approach this? And considering you have more of the San Diego sports knowledge, so I leaned on you for that, but do you remember
0: some of those conversations
1: that we had when we sat in my house side by side and worked on the branding? Yeah. Well, and in
0: initially like our first, you know, VIP, we treated it like a VIP day. We, right. We took what the existing branding they had. And for a little bit more context, you know, they did this event last year. They did the men's event last year. They threw it together in three weeks and which and it did really well. And so this year they had the women's, the WTA reach out and say, Hey, we want you to do the hostess in San Diego. With the potential for, I think it maybe being a, a location from now on. So they're like, "Hey, we just want this be really cool." So we got what was done last year, and I mean, you can see the logo in your hat. It was essentially the logo for Barnes, which is the tennis center, and they basically just used that as the event logo. And so we started playing around it, and we really linked into that, like street. Can't I can't think of what it's was. What's it called danger,
1: script kind of yeah. Um, it is a little bit more streetwear vibes. Yes.
0: No, I'm trying. There's a word for it. It's like <laughs> that '90s vibe, basically, 90s, like yes. that '90s, like street, surf, skate type of vibe, yes. where yes. Um, it's with like the bold colors. And what was really fun is as because I think we just went live on TikTok mm-hmm. and we were just sitting there kind of playing around with it, creating some icons, and then essentially you created the logo that's now on your hat. Which I mean, it was pretty damn close to the one that's on your hat. There was some small changes. We had palm trees in it, which we thought were very appropriate, but we were, which we did, we did integrate in other things. And I'm like an avid Padres fan. And every time I go to the game, there's palm trees everywhere on their graphics. And I just laugh, but it was fine. They're like, anytime something's in San Diego with tennis, they put palm trees on it. Like fair. If you don't want palm trees, we'll take them out.
1: For sure. Yeah. I think the approach with the branding was like the, the, what we were noticing is that most tennis branding and most sports branding is very corporate. it's very stuffy. Mm -hmm. It's very corporate. It's very, you know, all caps fonts and like quick transitions Mm -hmm. and diagonal lines and like very aggressively sharp. And I think what it was missing and what we kind of had starting off was like, we had this round logo for Barnes, which was kind of this like stylized tennis ball that had some like more fluid motions in it, kind of more similar to waves or ocean or something similar. And so I, suggested let's run with that and let's kind of go for more of this like soft fun um like 80s 90s vacation dad kind exactly. of like souvenir shirt vibe yes and obviously that style is working because look at Padres with City Connect oh yeah so explain kind of what that is from as a baseball fan like the difference between the Padres brand versus the City Connect
0: yeah. well what? I'm wearing a Padres shirt right now so it's like the Padres have changed their colors like 15 times since I was born but it was funny because I think the city connect came out right after we designed this logo Mm -hmm. right around. I'm pretty sure it was right around the same time um, because we used the pinks, the orange, the blues, and then there's another version of the logo that is purple and green. And so I'm pretty sure the pod in the Padres did the city connect, which is an MLB thing in general. It's like, I think Nike did it, but ours in particular really leaned into the Latin culture and it's teal and hot pink. And it blew in yellow and it blew up. And obviously compared to the shirt I'm wearing right now, which is brown and yellow, it's it's nothing like their own branding. But San Diego has really taken ownership of it. I I would venture to guess it was one of the more successful um, City Connects that happened across MLB because I've seen some of the other uniforms and I've talked to friends that are fans of other teams and they're like, I didn't buy anything. And the purpose of
1: City Connect was to connect an MLB team in a city with a region...
0: Nearby, correct? Like an infla cultural influence? To culturally connect them to their city. So Uh we happen to be obviously adjacent to Mexico, and there's a huge baseball contingency in Mexico. There's a lot of fans that could drive up from Tijuana to go to the games. And so it was a very, and like the stadium's really close to Barrio Logan. It was just like such a perfect marrying of, you know, the, the two entities. And especially since, too, like so many of our players are of like Latin descent, you know, or from countries in Latin America. So in, which is true for a lot of baseball, but for our team in particular, it just like was a really good connection. And it's funny, people either like love it or they hate it. There is no in between like on those colors. Um, But I personally love it.
1: I love it too. I think it breathes new air into something that again, could feel like corporate or stuffy or seen before, or kind of predictable and to kind of just flip the script and say like, we're going this way now. And even if it's just for a campaign, I think that is the difference between a brand and a campaign is that a campaign allows you to flex your creative muscles in a way that, that might, you might win some people, you might lose some people, but it's a way to kind of reinvigorate the brand. So when we approached the San Diego open stuff, I was like, let's go with that. Like, we already know that this works. We already know that this audience loves this look. Um, But I think that that's really where, I mean, I love color. That's no no surprise either. Um, And a lot of our early conversations were about like, What does it look like to paint the picture of being in San Diego? Because that is our differentiation factor from, and from like a Indian Wells, right? Is the other major tournament nearby from a Fort Worth, from a Guadalajara. Like there are, as we learned more about tennis, like there are all these cities that really lean into their, what makes their city unique so that the fans, the home base kind of fans can see themselves in the branding, but also for people who are visiting, it has kind of its own unique look and feel where it feels markedly different than Cincinnati, Ohio. It feels different, you know?
0: Well, San Diego in particular has a casualness to it, which, you know, we see in the wedding industry in particular, like when you go to weddings and it's like formal and people are wearing not formal attire, like there is a marketed like casualness across the board in San Diego. And I actually really liked that about this event because it kind of married those two things where I think tennis has kind of that like CNBC scene vibe to it with a lot of um just like the attendees outfits and things like that but it also like really married it with the casual fan who's like I want to go check this you know I want to go see this event like I want to go check this out and I was, it was so funny. My mom came on the finals and we were watching one of the games we we're, were sitting in like, you know, one of the boxes and she just looks around. She goes, so the theme here is money. And like, and my mom is like, it's funny because it's like, she's not particularly like snooty or anything, but it, you know, she just like made me laugh that that was her observation. But I think that that was like a wonderful way to marry the two is that like it is, but it isn't. And that's what I I really liked about this event, and I, I liked about tennis is because tennis can be the same with golf, and I'm a golfer. Like it can be off-putting because right. of like ticket prices and all this stuff. But like, what was so cool about this event is the ticket prices were super accessible. Yeah, like the yeah. cheapest ticket was twenty dollars. Like, and to see literally the number one player in the world for twenty dollars—that was nice. It was so cool, and I think that that was, you know, the ticket prices were also had a really good hand in the marketing and the branding because we were able to appeal to a younger crowd and appeal to like the 20-somethings and 30-somethings that like, hey, they'll spend 20, 30 bucks, $40 to go to an event that they might not have a lot of interest in, but it looks cool. It looks fun. Yeah, They want to take photos there, you know, and it played really well into like that background in the VIP area. was really well done,
1: Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. There's, there's all kinds of things. And I think it was just understanding the demo and the market and us Mm -hmm. both being from San Diego that helps, but like, we're never going to be a Wimbledon. Like that's just not what this audience is. And I don't think that we needed to try to replicate what they were doing in order to have a successful event. As we kind of go along here, I did source some questions from the Facebook group. And one of the questions was what discovery questions would you have asked to do this again? what do you think i know mine i think i i think i um really wanted a better understanding of the scale of the event i think when it was brought to us the question that i didn't ask that i should have asked was how many people are you expecting to attend um what is your what are your revenue numbers like what how many different touch points, brand touch points are there? Right. Um, are you doing news? Are you doing press? Because all of that plays into like how we prepare the assets to be able to manage all of that. Can you think of anything that you wish maybe you would have asked or or if you had another similar client come to you that
0: you'd want to understand like right off the bat? Yeah. If, I mean, if I was doing this again, there's definitely... A hand. And the other thing too to keep in mind is like, this was definitely sold to us as like not a huge event. It was kind of like, hey, we're just doing this tennis thing, like we threw it together in three weeks last time. We just need a little bit more help this year, right? And that was my understanding, which is fine. And it's not a uh a, a bad thing, you know, that it wasn't. But also, you know, we signed on to do the women's event, which was October 8th through 16th. But then at the beginning of August, they said, Hey, we're gonna do the men's event too in September, September 17th or 25th. So that got like thrown on top and the work essentially doubled in that way. And I think, you know, from my perspective, having been through this type of thing before and now being like, what are your expectations of us on site? What are your expectations of like sponsorship deliverables? How often are things going to change? Like what are the daily needs you need for the website? Cause we we quoted them like two hours of website updates a month. And then we ended up doing like daily updates on the website, which, you know, obviously things change. There were like, you get to the point you say, Hey, let's do this instead. And you're going to to change it, but really just kind of looking at the event as a whole. Like what are the needs going to be? If the marketing is going well, what are your expectations? Or this ticket sales are going well. How does that impact your marketing? If the ticket yeah. sales aren't going well, how does that affect your marketing? Because we saw with the women's event, the tickets, the men's event had was a great event with fine players. The women's event was almost sold out from the beginning because the players were not, you know, the top 17 in the world but we almost marketed more for that one.
1: Yeah, because we were capitalizing on the audience that had just been there for the men's Yeah, where like we did turn out, it's like, oh, okay, this is a cool thing to be, come back. (laughs) Like like come back in two weeks, you know, and kind of rinse and repeat. But we did pull together this giant recap document. And I think that this is gonna be like my new favorite templated asset because I wanna do this for
0: everyone now. Like I wanna do this for everyone. And one thing I really realized, and I don't remember if I, I had put it in there and I might've taken it out is we, during the women's event, did a daily update and our open rate and our click rate plummeted when we did that on the emails.
1: Ooh, we're going to get into this. We're going to get into this. I want to go kind of through the document, the whole thing. But the question I want to talk about before we even jump into the document is what tools we use. Because someone in the Facebook group asked this. <laughs> what did <So> we use? <laughs> what, was, what was your MVP tool mini of Mike. this whole experience? The The mini mic. <laughs> <Mini Mike. laughs> I was thinking, okay, so that for context, that was the mini microphone. Canva and Basecamp. Canva and Basecamp. Oh my gosh. I don't know how we would have done this project without Canva.
0: No, it's amazing. And like, I think it just harkens to that thing of like, yeah, you designed the logo in Illustrator and you, you know, you used a lot of Adobe and like for a couple of the banners you did, because there are just things Canva does not have the capability to do. However when we have three different people, four different people in the account that need it, and you know, you would create something and I could resize it for the website and flyers and all this stuff. I mean, Canva was like all time hero. The
1: best part about Canva is it eliminates bottlenecks and it eliminates a designer bottleneck. And I think that that's why I gravitate towards Canva so much is because I don't want anyone to have to wait for me to be able to Design something like, of course, if there's a request and you need a designer's eye on it, that's something else. But if we need a flyer, if we need a an announcement, a Facebook banner, an email graphic, a website graphics, like all of the tools are in there. And it's if we're going to use the kitchen analogy, which is our favorite analogy, it's basically like, okay, guys, all the ingredients are in the kitchen you need something help yourself, go for it. Like if you need my help, I can absolutely come in and help you. But all the ingredients are in there. The stock photos, the player graphics, the fonts, the colors, the icons, the sponsor logos, like having all of that centralized in one spot that wasn't tied to any individual person's computer.
0: Can you imagine if we tried to do this without? And the thing is like, luckily I'm savvy in Canva like I can do stuff. And so I you know you would do stuff like you were the sh- head chef and I was sous chef and I'm going to call you chef from now on. Perfect. Um yeah, you would basically say like here's here's the template, here's what we created and we were able to like repurpose that stuff over and over or you know somebody on your team would go in and but like we had um Madison on your team created these like killer graphics for the players and she did them for the men and women and what was but we had to use them in multiple places and then so-and-so drops. Now this person's in and that's what it was so cool. So we essentially had these templates that we could go in and just do them. And like, frankly, looking at the difference between the ones I did and the ones she created, probably nobody can tell the difference. Like, yeah, cause I exactly. was the way that they were created and how user-friendly Canva is. It was great. Oh, even
1: the background remover tool. Can you imagine oh, having God. to have, do that Everything. in Photoshop? No, like, there's I remember no having to do
0: that in Photoshop. Like it's oh yeah, just like all the different like you know we obviously have our brand suite in there, but in the using the folders, I think that is an extremely underutilized function mm-hmm. of Canva, and that using the folders was huge. Oh,
1: I went back in last night when I was watching Love Is Blind, and I put everything into even more folders. So is the
0: new season out? Because I saw it on. It is okay. I thought uh-huh. maybe I saw it like two days ago, and it was like coming soon, and I wasn't sure if it was out. Uh huh. But I just sat there and put everything
1: there's for me with branding and with branding and marketing. There's like some very obvious categories. There's like a branding folder, a social folder, a print folder, website folder, and digital folder. And digital is kind of like your catch-all for anything that has to exist digitally, but isn't in like social and it's not on the website. Mm-hmm. So like emails, yeah. ads, email signatures gifts, like miscellaneous assets that don't fit. Yeah. So I went back through and even organized all of those more. So everything is labeled. Everything is exactly where it needs to be because the idea is they'd hire us back again. And then we already know where all the things right. are.
0: Well, and it's like, let's not, I'm not going to pretend like we were perfect with this. Like when we were in the thick of things, like we were th- chaos, <laughs> things was like, it was like emails. It was just like dumping things into uploads. Cause you just needed them right now. But also just like making a best effort to like keep things organized was great. And essentially, you know, you move the things you don't need into like the 2022 folder, like once you move on to the following year. So, but like Canva was, yeah. And with the program that we did, which was a living document, it it had to be updated every day. You had the brilliant idea of using the Canva website to Mm -hmm. do that, which was huge, which by the way, I still can't figure out how to pull any analytics from it besides like how many views it got. Okay. Um, No, we should look at that. So we should look at that, but um, like you can't, I wasn't able to pull analytics as if it is a real website. It was like page views and when, which Which is is fine.
1: It's kind of for what we needed it for. And what we're talking about here guys is like the tournament last year used to print physical copies of the program every single day day. because the draw sheet would update and they were were wasting so much paper printing 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 and now since the pandemic of course like everyone knows how to use a qr so we had qr codes made that linked people directly to a digital version of the program which meant that we could switch out the order of play we could switch out the draw sheet we could switch out the ads we could change things we could update giveaways like at any yeah. time. And it would stay populated on that QR. And it wasn't a website, which I think was kind of nice because then we weren't worrying about like pop-ups and someone having to use their browser. Like it just right. was very easy to just create that web, like Canva website. That
0: was a kind of off link thing. I'm really interested in using that more. I do wonder, like looking at the analytics though, on that compared to the website analytics, I almost wonder if the program is not essential. Because it didn't have as many, frankly, True. did not have nearly as many opens and views as I thought it would. Whereas the website had a lot, and I almost think like, does the QR code just need to redirect them to the website? Could be, and then Could you be. just have that same kind of continuous page on the website instead of a separate document. Now, granted, visually it was beautiful. The way it was way easier for us to put that together. But and I do we wonder. saved
1: time downloading assets from Canva to load them into the website. I think that's the big thing we're missing here is like when you build the program through Canva, you have everything that you need right there. And you have way more fluidity in what you can design. You have way more flexibility to like change pages, update links, et cetera. Um, yeah. Whereas a website would slow down the process just on the export and upload alone. Um, that would kind of slow that process. so it would be interesting to try it again with just using the website but let's let's yeah. look at some of the social media marketing goals, key metrics, etc. So big goals for social, like we talked about at the top of this was sell tickets, create brand awareness and attract players. Um, create community engagement and showcase user generated content of course you guys know what that what's up with that. Um, creating original content in the brand tone of voice and showcase the sponsorships highlight. Why you might want to attend. Um, I think we crushed all those goals. Killer, like pretty easy to to see. And then in this document, I've shown side by side like the Instagram account from the first week that we started to where we finished, and the TikTok account from where we started to where we finished. Um, and some of those metrics are are just like fun to say. So this is the part of the episode where we just like brag about ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> brag, brag um, So for TikTok, increased video views eighteen thousand percent, increased profile views. Three thousand three hundred twenty-eight percent with three thousand percent increase in likes, three thousand percent increase in comments. We started the account at zero and grew it up to five hundred twenty-four in ten weeks. It's like really not bad for TikTok. So that kind of stuff is interesting to me because I think TikTok again, it's one of those those platforms that takes like a consistent effort, um, but the payoff. Is can be really high. And I think as more people transition away from Instagram because of the algorithm and social media burnout and things like that, and they find their way to TikTok, it's gonna be really important that San Diego Open stays
0: active there. I have a possible edit to this page. Do you? Well, no, it's like, so right here. So, like, I was looking at them side by side instead of vertically. So, I'm wondering oh, if okay. we should just we put label the it. Tick, Yeah, put the TikTok logo like right above the top left corner of this one. For sure of this Part one. Sure. And then also we're both looking at Canva. Another reason canvas awesome is you can see where I'm clicking mm-hmm. on this while we're talking. So we're looking at it. I know the difference, but it did take me a second. I was like, wait, okay. So yeah. No. Yep. I got you on Instagram
1: increased reach 224,000 <laughs> accounts, reached, which is a 36,000% increase. That's so crazy. before we took over the Instagram, there was an Instagram presence from last year. And then the account went dormant. I'm really torn on whether that's like a I mean, in a perfect world, everyone would have consistent content all the time. For something that is event-based, I kind of have an opinion that's like, instead of a consistent jog, like let's go for a sprint and a walk. Like sprint, when it's go time, sprint. And when it's dead time, just walk. And make sure you have something there, that something that reminds people that you you exist and that they had a good time at your event. But I don't know that they need the quantity of content that we created during the
0: event Ongoing no 12 months. No, and I think, like, I mean, at my old job, we did something once it was a bowl game for college football. So it was once a year in December. And but what we did throughout the year is we did we did do events throughout the year. We were a nonprofit, which this event does benefit a nonprofit. Like that's who does all the the fronts the money for it is a nonprofit. I do think that it is relevant to put things up and they they have the opportunity to kind of tell the story of the nonprofit and why the San Diego Open exists a little bit throughout the year. But like you said, the reality of it is people are not engaging in, with this in the rest of the year. They're going to look at... Um, but I that's why I also, though, I do think it is relevant to have social media marketing throughout the year on this. Again, not... <laughs> Basically, scale it back to the original scope. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right. Two posts a week, two two reels, (laughs) two sets of stories. Yeah, two, two, and two. Yeah. And honestly, it could be repurposed. Like you almost could just. Absolutely. you know, Or
1: the fact that we we created so much content that we couldn't possibly share everything that we created, yeah. that it would be great to revisit it. Like it would be great to, you know, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It would be great to be posting about Hologic, their premier sponsor, and what they're doing for breast cancer research. Yeah, like exactly. there are moments to pull full circle that go above and beyond what you promised for your sponsors to make them feel appreciated and give them social shout outs and like, showcase their involvement in your organization in a way that obviously we're not like selling tickets for next year's event yet. We don't even have the dates. So like
0: we need to figure out a way to keep people engaged. But getting that save the date, but that's the thing that's like you want them engaged. So when the save the date hits, people actually see it. And then, cause that was the thing, you know, last year, or I mean, sorry, this year, because it's had dormant for so long, we actually had pretty decent engagement. And, and to be clear about one thing, we did ha- we do have a Facebook page. We were just, we were auto-posting everything to Facebook. Um, we just weren't like hand-holding Facebook the way we, we were with Instagram and TikTok. But when we posted stuff on Facebook, people were like, oh, hell yeah. Like people were excited about it. So this audience is there. Tennis, I've definitely learned, is a very dedicated audience. And they really love to like follow the players that they like, which is pretty cool.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. I mean, these numbers are crazy. They're nuts, right? The metric that
1: everyone loves is the account growth. So, starting the account at two thousand nine hundred eighty-four followers and finishing at five thousand two hundred and eighty, which is seventy-six percent increase, which is lovely. Um, We love that. Facebook and Instagram metrics, most notable. We kind of what we did for this whole presentation was like pull the actual screenshots from the systems and then pull out what's the like notable metric that Mm -hmm. that. You know, our bosses at San Diego Open can go to their team and say like, hey, like this works, you know, Um, and give them kind of those like little nuggets, the little phrases that that showcase the best of our work, of course. Um, So for Facebook, like three hundred twenty two thousand page reach with a ten point eight percent increase is great. Yeah, like just wild that we've been able to increase the visibility so much, and I think so much of that is content, but a lot of that is community management. It's answering DMs, it's making sure that you know we're engaging people in polls and stories and and fun content that really paints a picture of being at the event. Um, let's talk about content creation, which is like my favorite thing to talk about. Um, we created an ungodly amount of content.
0: I was actually thinking about that. I was like, I wonder. If I we should go in and count it.
1: I did count it right you here. Uh huh. Page six, page six of our document, Instagram content and metrics, 101 total posts, 1,113 stories, 108 reels, all backed up, by the way, I had my sister go through and back them all up to Google Drive, and 20 live videos over the duration of two tournaments. Each tournament, by the way, for context is nine days long. So it's like 18 days of on-site content potential. Um, but I think there's some we well, really- I mean, to within Canva, like count how many
0: pieces of collateral we can we created.
1: I did that also. You did. In there too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that when we actually look at our analytics, which if you're not making a regular appointment on your calendar to look at your own analytics, to figure out what kind of content you should produce, like this is your reminder to do so. So if we look at the analytics in Instagram and we go to the top posts, What we see first are two graphics that we made via Canva of the players that people were most excited to see, but they were boosted. So we have very, very high reach numbers on that. Can you kind of break down what the boost levels were
0: for those? Yeah, And I want to be clear, I hate boosting posts, but this was like a last minute ad thing we did and those Mm -hmm. posts were performing so well. It just made sense to boost them. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think we put $150 behind each one. And yeah, I mean we'll get into the, the ad analytics too, but those posts in particular did really, really well. Um, because they're simple. They're the two most popular players. They're graphically beautiful. They're on brand. And what I like about them too, is it's just, it doesn't have like the logo on it. It's just, yeah. it's just both of them say like, I'm going to see this person in San Diego, essentially.
1: After that, the content that is not boosted, um, all That's the four that, remaining yeah. top posts were all graphics, yeah, not photos, graphics. which is wild. The first one being the Sunday reschedule, we had like a rain delay. So we had to get that information out. That was like very important that we shared that. And then beyond that, I think the ones that are interesting here are the fact that the two carousels are in our top posts.
0: Well, and they're also about, which one is that one? Can't miss now. Yeah. But then the one of them was about the panel we had, which I know. by the way was not, I mean, it was well-attended. There were like 60 people there. It was f- wonderfully fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that that was one of the the top ones. Mm-hmm. But so I think we, it's also graphically interesting too.
1: Yes. And I think that these are kind of the things that are shareable. So I think if you're a marketer and you're getting into events or you're getting into um, you know doing social around specific physical things that happen in person, figuring out what content you can make on-site quickly, that is shareable. Because I think that that's what we're seeing here between these two carousels. One of them is like the can't miss matches, which is a carousel that shows who's playing who for the whole day so that people could share the graphic of the, the match that they most wanted to see, which was the call to action in the caption. And then the second one being from the panel that we hosted with women in sports leadership, their poll quotes of the things that they said that they were doing to advance women's opportunities in sports being super charitable and showing mm-hmm. their headshot and showing their credentials and, and highlighting out what are these things that like, yes, we're about tennis, but we're also really about this mission um, and bringing tennis and making yeah. it more accessible to people and especially to women. Yeah. So I think that th- those are really interesting insights. The last little one that's in this top reach section is our graphic of like The top players that everyone was excited about like all playing on the same day and not against each other which was interesting so we called it like a thursday morning triple threat um but we already had these punch outs from earlier in the week so it was really easy to composite this graphic together as we got the order of play announcement at like 11 pm the night before to be able to pull together okay come see these people though like and here, here's what they look like, and here's kind of the vibe and the energy and the edit that makes it look exciting. I think. Well, and not really to mention, well.
0: because they can't see what we're looking at one photos yeah. of Coco. The top post is Coco. The second is Iga. The one that you're just talking about, the Thursday morning triple threat, Coco and Iga are in it. It's the same graphic uh-huh. that's in the other ones. Repurface. So it's like of yeah, it's this. So just you don't always have to recreate the wheel here. Like yeah, do what's working.
1: That's a super good observation. There's so many times where we use repeat assets or even repeat templates, like these can't miss matches carousels. And if you guys want to see this, go to the San Diego open Instagram account. You'll find it right away. But I use that same template every single day. Like we use that same template every day to show who was playing with the Mm -hmm. last one being like, get your tickets now. Um, and that was really effective. I mean, over the last of all the posts we've made, that's been in the top six posts of all the posts we made the whole out of 101 mm-hmm. posts, like that's pretty indicative of the kind of content that your audience wants to see. So this is what we mean by like going back to your analytics and reviewing what performed well to then let you inform the content rolling
0: forward. Yeah. And not to mention, this is the same like images that we use in emails too, and on the website. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it was great.
1: There's something I've been dying to tell you about, and it's something that I'm keeping on the hush hush. So like, don't tell everybody. okay? one of the things I notice with our brand design clients is that they go through the brand design process and they get all their new logos, fonts, colors, patterns, icons, everything. And then they're not totally sure how they're supposed to be using them on social media. Enter the one on one kiss my assets Canva Sprint Day. I know that's a mouthful. Stay with me. Basically, this is a three-hour session with me that is part assets, part strategy, part clarity, and low-key Canva training on how to use all of your brand elements together to make templates that you can then DIY for your biz. So think post templates, stories, graphics, email graphics, anything that you are going to be making on a regular basis on behalf of your business. We can create them together in a three-hour sprint inside your Canva account. You can walk away with those templates right at the end of the session and put them straight to use these can be booked on my website. There are only a limited number of spots per month to book the one-on-one day. And the link that you're going to want to look for is mkwcreative.co slash kiss my assets. That's mkwcreative.co slash kiss, K-I-S-S, my assets, A-S-S-E-T-S, get it? Like social assets, kiss my ass. You know, we're being funny. We're a little cheeky. But the plan here is to really create as much content for you as we possibly can so that you can go out there and DIY your brand in the best brag worthy version of what you envision for your business and really kind of get those clients rolling in. Check that out, book it online. You can book it anytime. There are a limited number of spots per month. So if I were you, I'd get on it sooner rather than later. Back to the episode. Um, Moving over to Reels, because I did like a Reels deep dive, which I want to get to, because this this slide itself makes me so giddy. I already posted it on my Facebook page today, a screenshot of it, and I said, "Uh, Hello, Your Honor, today I'm making (laughs) the case for why you should hire content creators for their day rates to come on site and make content for you. So you saw me making this in real time without even knowing this information that's on the screen what was your experience of
0: watching me run around <laughs> at this tournament? I learned a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think what people forget too is that people are nosy mm-hmm. and we overthink what we're posting. Mm-hmm. One of the posts that you did it might, I don't think it's one of the ones that's on here, but you just did like a time-lapse walkthrough, like me learning how to speed up a video and cap cut has been life-changing. And great. Um, that's great. And just realizing like, especially when it comes to events that we don't have to overthink these things, but also you created a couple of templates that you used and just, it was like over and over dumping those in there. But, you know, we were talking about this right before we jumped on that it was interesting to see what the analytics were on the videos of like what actually performed well at a tennis event, like what the people were consuming on their phones.
1: Mm hmm. mm -hmm. And we had people come up to us being like, wow, it's crazy. You already have the video up of the match point. Like you've already posted the acceptance speech. And I was like, well, yeah, I'm not going to wait till I get home to get that information up. And so what I did on this page, which again, you guys can't see, but I did screenshot it and share it in the Facebook group is I took a screenshot of the reels panel analytics panel for the top plays, the top saves, the top interactions and the top shares of the reels content for the, like, I basically set the parameters for the last year, right? Mm-hmm. Which we know that they weren't doing reels um, beforehand. So of all the content we made, and then of those pages, I t- took the top six of each one. So six, four metrics times six, 24 totals, so 24 metrics opportunities. And I basically created like a little color-coded rubric of like, okay, of this content across four different metrics, six different videos across four different metrics, which ones performed the best, because I think <laughs> this will illustrate to their team where they should best spend their money in a content creation context. So of these 24 videos, 12 of the top 24 were recorded by me, posted in real time on site, straight out of the iPhone, right into reels, no Canva, no editing, no cap cut, no anything like half of them have audio. The other half is just like native from my iPhone audio. So again, like that should tell us that people want to see real life content. They don't want to see things that are overly recorded or overly produced. They want to see it as if they were standing there with their phone recording it. Would you agree? Yeah.
0: Oh, totally. And that's, I think it's that the UGC though, it comes across as UGC. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. what people want. They, They feel like they're at the event, not like they're getting some flowery recap of it.
1: Right. And the timeliness I think was really important here because we weren't waiting for someone to edit and then download and then upload and then add the graphics. Like we could just go straight to post with it. Almost posting as if it were a story really helped. So like Iga, when she won and was standing on her surfboard and setting up to surfing in the USA and like getting that up like seconds after it happened, Mm was huge for our reach. That was the almost the top performing video under every metric. It was in the top four of plays, the top saved video, the top interacted video, and the top number of shares. Like, that's crazy. And like, yes, it's a big moment and she's winning her trophy, but there were no special effects here. Like, there was nothing that that isn't replicatable for whatever event that you're trying to market. It's like finding that golden moment and getting it out, getting it out before WTA put it out. And it's just like,
0: put the text on there to tell them what they're looking at and then put a couple of lines in the caption. If you need to, Mm -hmm. I do think on this maybe like circle or something like where it says plays saves reels, interaction shares, maybe just box it or something. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. But I mean, I love that this is the one you posted in the group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I think that's what people get. So they overthink these things, like do it on your, you can do it on your iPhone. Totally. Totally. The other thing that we highlighted here were the, the videos or the reels
1: that that my team created um, that were more graphics based, so things like our player graphics when we had our main draw lineup, taking the clips from um, past events, or even layering that with like the main draw and showing just the text populate on screen and showing what like who was coming or the video that was like we called like our sizzle at the beginning, the going back to Cali video that got everybody excited to
0: attend the event, and that you like, made that completely in Canva,
1: yeah. Made that in Canva and then our time to run video, which shout out to Alex, who helped me collect all the images on that one, getting that one done, like capitalizing on a trend and making it fit the brand. And that one was, we had pinned to the top of our page for a while. So it's not a surprise that it ranked high here, but showing showing how to fit something that's happening like in mm-hmm. a trending cultural way to what you're trying to do. And it, it helps that that video is just like absolutely addicting to watch because like, it's the, so fun to watch I love how it video. syncs with the yeah. music, with the text, with the branding.
0: Like it just gives you all those good, like sports movie feels. Yeah. Well, even and that like, really well. You know, the ones on here too, that performed really well were the, the drink there. We had celebrity bartenders yeah. every single day that we would go and film and like putting together really, f- I mean, and the team with, with boss was just so fun to work with. And so like, but putting together those videos of like how to make a cocktail, like people love mm-hmm. that kind of stuff.
1: What's most interesting to me about this whole spread is that the clips that were actually provided to us by the ATP and the WTA, which the way that this worked is like ATP and WTA are like the organizations for men's tennis and women's tennis respectively. As the tournament happens. They dropped to me via an app called Socially, match highlights, um, match points, set points, any like crazy plays uh, that could get posted to social. So they were sending them to me, but of course they were all horizontal. So I was like, Mm -hmm. what the heck am I supposed to do with this? So I would (laughs) take it into CapCut, layer it, add the color background, put the text over top of who's playing who, and then caption it to the bottom, you know, San Diego Open ATP 250 or WTA 500. And those videos actually did decently well, but only three of them hit into our top 24
0: metrics. Yeah.
1: Like what, whereas like someone who's maybe in a tennis world would expect that you would market a tennis event by showing the really, really good tennis. It's actually the inverse. It's people don't really care about the tennis. They care about being at the event and what it's like
0: to be there. Which is what our goal was. Our goal was to show an experience for an Mm -hmm. event so that people will want to come to it. And I think if anything to you know this is huge for what this could be like in the future and um, you know one thing we didn't mention before that I think is important is that our client was pr- kind of resistant to some of the stuff that we wanted to do because and it wasn't them it was the tennis world the tennis world is a little bit more from what we've seen a little bit more antiquated and resistance to resistant to change when it comes to like, how to market things. They kind of were mm-hmm. like, we're used to doing it this way. And I think that's true for a lot. Like even at my old job, when Instagram came about, my boss was like, I mean, whatever, do whatever you want. I don't know what this is. You know, <laughs> And then we realized like how important social media really is. But I think this, this type of metric is the kind of thing that shows them like, Hey, this is why this is so important. And the bonus to this is we had killer metrics that negative was that you and I both you more than I did spent, a lot of our time on site, which mm-hmm. we hadn't planned for, but we both tend to over deliver on everything we do. Um, so that's where, you know, these results came from really yeah. was you just kicking ass at this and, and making it fun. Cause once you start going, you're like, well, the people want to see it. <laughs> right? No, that's exactly
1: how I felt. That's exactly how I felt in developing the face filters. I was like, you know what? No, like, those are awesome. I'm going to ask for, um, for forgiveness and not permission. And I'm just gonna mm-hmm. make these. And so yeah. I went and pulled the analytics for the face filters. This is the other thing I shared in the group. Today. Oh, I
0: tried, I was gonna I was curious um how to do that because I was trying to do it. See, like I need to learn more things about
1: okay. Yes. And this is our first time making face filters for a brand. So yeah. I was totally fine not including this in the scope of work and not billing for it because this was a straight up experiment. Yeah. I think. Did you put the analytics on that page? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, I'll go down there. Um, so digital assets and highlights. I did tally up all of the templates that we made. So for social, that's over 30 stories, templates, over 30 post and carousel templates and over 30 reels and TikTok templates. And they're now all organized in corresponding folders, which just like, it's like ASMR to my brain. Like that's so fun to me, but we did do a bunch of digital stuff that doesn't fall under the social category. Right. So like web banner ads, player graphics for the website, digital invitations, which you helped with obviously, Oh, we need to add in email templates in here, digital invitations and email templates. I'm literally typing it Yeah, in the document as we're looking at I don't it. know if you
0: just saw me awkwardly gaping, but I was reading the, the analytics on the um, face filters the face, and I was like, Like the Uh visual on on this video is going to be great of me just mouth open.
1: Uh Uh-huh. So then the face filters were super fun because we did two different things for both platforms. So there are some functionalities that you can do on TikTok that you cannot do on Instagram, or it's just more complicated and convoluted to do it there. So for Instagram, we knew that our bulk audience was going to be filming things like themselves, selfie, watching the matches. Or the scenery. So the first filter that Madison, and I really want to credit Madison here. She came up with a lot of the concepting for this. And basically her first draft that she sent me, I was like, amazing, let's roll with it, like approved. So she developed a face filter that had like a bright green visor and then the Better at Barnes branding, which was our hashtag for the event because it's Barnes Tennis Center and you know the tennis is better at Barnes the players pay, play better at Barnes. That was kind of our, our pseudo campaign. And so styling it, what I think is so smart about this filter is that you can use it both ways. You can use it in a selfie way, and then you can use it with your outward facing camera. And it doesn't put a visor on anyone if there's no face in frame. But it does add this level of branding to your story that's like engaging and fun with the blue palm trees and the text. And like it didn't obscure the scene at all. Um, and I think that one, to I would totally do another face filter like that again for just that dual purpose use. It was huge. I saw a lot of people using that one. The I second used it a ton too. It was great. The second one's great. We have like tennis balls falling from the sky, really fun and just kind of exciting. But the tennis visor filter, 17K impressions, 115 opens, 29 captions. The tennis in San Diego filter, which is the falling tennis balls one, 7.2K impressions, 205 opens and 43 captures.
0: What's the difference between what's the options open and captures?
1: So I think open is when someone, which I need to do a deep dive on this because I don't totally know it yet. I believe opens is when someone like taps on it to use it. Capture is when someone actually films it and posts it. So okay. interesting. Um, but I wonder where we could, fit, like, I would say that with the tennis balls falling from the sky one, like maybe if I clicked it and opened it, their tennis balls were too many too often. And so it looked a little chaotic and maybe I wouldn't want to use mm-hmm. that in my story, for example. Sure. Um, and same with the, with the San Diego open tennis visor, I would have loved it if it had a tap function where you could tap the visor on or off. Because yeah. I think when people put the visor on, if you were already wearing a hat or you were already wearing sunglasses, it just like looked a little too fake. Whereas we could have made that function with and without the visor aspect or put the branding in the visor, which would be kind of the next level of that one. TikTok, on the other hand, we did the randomizer filter, which is super popular right now with TikTok, where we put in the images of all the players playing in the men's and playing in the women's tournament and basically let people tap, you basically tap and record and it will randomly pick which player you are. Right. So there's not really any method to that madness. It's just a random or r- literally a randomizer. Um, but the impressions are nuts. The impressions are nuts. So the views for the men's San Diego Open, which player are you? 22,000 views. The women's 105,000 Views: 101 posts for the men's, 740 posts for the women's. So the thing, and I just learned this, as I'm fresh off Adobe Max. The thing with TikTok filters is, TikTok filters, when you publish them, go into a chronological feed of filters. So your filter, regardless how many followers you have, how good your filter is, whether it's for a, it's for a brand, it's not for a brand, whatever, you end up in this long list of like new filters. So there are accounts that will do in a hacky way will use as many filters as they can in a video because your video will populate under that filter if you use it. Really similar to a sound, oh, that really sense. similar to a hashtag. So for them, they may have been using it and it was wild because there were like these children in like in like Southeast Asia that were using the filter and I'm like this is Yeah, that's really right. We were demo. like
0: what <laughs> it was so random. Yeah. I
1: just don't understand like how did this person even find this, right? And so when I was at Adobe Max this week, I asked like the rep at TikTok, And I said, yeah, you know, I just, we just published our first effects with effect house and we got a ton of uses, but I didn't really feel like it was our demo. And would you be rolling out geo on your filters? And they're like, it's something we're looking into. They're like, yeah, cool. it will definitely get there. Um, the option to be able to geofence your filter for a limited amount of time at a specific event. So that to me, I'm like, that's what we need. We need the people that only if you are physically, I mean, Snapchat did that. Right. If you're physically within this geofence, you then have access to this filter. It's just then becomes another benefit of attending the event. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like a fun thing to do, even with like the staff on the tennis team of like, OK, get over here. Like, let's see which player you are. I think to do it again, I would have put less players in there or I would have put them maybe just their heads instead of their whole bodies, because um, it was a little hard to see. And the point that TikTok really made about creating filters for Effect House is that you have to consider that they're global filters. And like, instead of doing things that are hyper-specific, consider making filters that, you know, anybody could use and it doesn't take a language barrier or, or, uh, reading comprehension (laughs) to really, um, be able to utilize the filter. So I think to do it again, it would be cool to do, you know, some kind of tennis related thing or San Diego related thing that got people excited about tennis. Like, Butterfly wings are really popular, mm-hmm. but you could imagine like two giant tennis rackets behind you or mapping your face onto the tennis ball that's getting hit by Ega, right? Like we could do lots of fun things like that, especially with like 3D modeler and substance and painter and like all these new programs that you can then create 3D graphics from. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just love that those analytics, especially for something that was kind of like a, hey, this would be cool. Right. <laughs> the analytics like crushed. Or like, a, or like an afterthought almost. Exactly. 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 Then at the end of this document, and for the sake of time also, let's kind of run through what we think our ideas are and some of the things that we wanted to do but didn't get used this time around. And for me, as you guys know, if you've been watching my lives, that was a merch opportunity. I had so many freaking
0: ideas for merch I wanted to do so bad. The merch was amazing and it was really a bummer. Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. So we didn't have any say necessarily on the merch or on the actual event wrap graphics. Those were all contracted through the event's company. So I think in hindsight, like having a little bit more insight on what the aesthetics of the exterior of the event would have been really useful. What else can you think of as something that that you wish we could have like had our hands in those cookie jars? Well,
0: the wrap, did you say the wraps? Yeah. 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 That was like my number one thing. Cause it, when you drove up and it was like not on brand now, granted, I don't know that anyone else would have noticed except for us. Oh, the other thing too, is the, um, like the photo moments around. Yes. Yeah. was like a really cool one in the VIP area, but it was in the VIP area and like nobody was in there for ATP. Yes. And I feel like, I'm sure people saw it on Instagram, but, um, your Instagram, but it was really fun and bright and colorful and super on brand. And I feel like had they moved it out, yeah. it would have been better.
1: Yeah. Because people want to be prompted with an experience. And I think we lacked a little bit of the audience engagement physicality that could have been there. Like one of my ideas, I found this girl on TikTok and Instagram who does like sneaker artwork. And how cool would it be to set her up in the fan village where you could go up and have her doodle on brand with paint pens on your tennis sneakers? Like, that would be so cool. The other thing I noticed was how many kids were running around getting autographs from players. Yeah. And, like, is there an opportunity to turn those autographs into like embroidery and something that's more permanent so that it doesn't get washed off with, you know, mm-hmm. when you throw it in the wash? Like, I think those opportunities would have been cool. I would love to see like a live muralist somewhere.
0: Yeah. I and mean, I think something. the merch was a huge miss. Like, I liked them, I did like the merchandise they had, but I think that the suite that you'd put together just like, other like fanny packs, tote bags and I understand, like from a merchandising perspective, I understand how it works with them and, you know, they don't want to produce a bunch of stuff that's not going to get used, but, um, just utilizing the fan village a little bit more with like more engaging activations, I think would have been, would have been really good.
1: And a hydration station. Yeah, we had some complaints about the water situation, which, again, is more of like a planning issue than necessarily like a social media marketing issue. But I think if you're thinking as a brand who would want to be at an event like the San Diego Open, consider how you would engage your audience in a way that's not monetary, but like begs for a photo moment. Because I think people were were ready to post
0: well we also needed a better wi-fi sponsor we also know Well, yeah the wi-fi was a hot mess but also like there were so many posts right when you walked in they had a hedge wall up that had the logo and some tennis rackets and like it was like was it cute yes Mm -hmm. is it how you and i would have designed it no Mm -hmm. and but like the acrylic cutouts were really cool not to mention though they were using the wrong version of the logo which like That made me like, honestly, just cringe every time I saw it. But I think that's the kind of like cohesiveness that you and I notice where does it make a a huge difference at the end of the day? I don't know. But visually from a branding perspective, I feel like having the logo plastered around in like a very cohesive way or just the banners that they had up when you walked around were really high because they were covering scaffolding. Like if those had been designed By us, like they would have felt immersive. Yeah, I think looking for that those opportunities is really
1: important, and finding ways to again, like engage people. Like I would have loved a photo moment that was like a super oversized tennis ball that you could like sit on or in or around, or a comically oversized tennis racket that was poised up for a photo op, like the giant chair in Little Italy,
0: the giant lifeguard chair, which is on brand for like put a giant lifeguard chair in there.
1: Yeah. And I think finding cool ways to keep people engaged, like contests people love. We had like a panic when it rained of like, we need to keep all these people entertained. What are we going to do? Let's do trivia. And like, why not? Why wouldn't we do trivia? That sounds like a great idea. Or like theme days. I'd love to see like, okay, you sell, then you sell to your premier sponsor. Hey, Hologic, your brand color is like blue, purple. We're going to do like a purple out in the stadium. And anyone that's wearing purple on Thursday is going to get stickers is going to yeah. get
0: a souvenir cup It's going to come to your tent. You, one of the things you had mentioned was like a passport. Yeah. Um, and we've, I've seen that done before too, like with the, the fan village and, but engaging people more in more creative ways. Like you, like you just said, like you're in more purple, come to our tent. And you're going to get a sticker you're going to get whatever. Like they had the panel and they were passing out some lapel pins. And I was like, have those for everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, just little, little touch points like that. I think. Um, people don't like realize sometimes when we're doing events and granted too, like you get to a point where it's too much. <laughs> yeah. You know, things need to be trimmed. You got to trim the fat. I mean, we had a ton of ideas and things that we had sent over to our team and um, the, the folks that were managing us. I mean, and they're like, yeah, we got to trim the fat on this. Like we we tried to redo the merchandise for the second event and they said, Nope, it's just not a priority. And that's fine. Is right. you know, knowing where those levels are, but also sticking to your guns on, where you think things are going to make a lasting impact on people. And I think we didn't have as much sway in this as we would have liked to. But I think with planning ahead for next year, really understanding like their goals and their budget and and also helping them understand what all this means. Like, yes, it's a beautiful document with beautiful numbers. But like, how does our client take this back to the person that hired them and says, look what the marketing team did. Look at look at the engagement, look at these numbers and how it positively impacts the event and the reputation of the event um, and the visuals and all of those things. And that I think is one of the most important aspects to look at and things to really pay attention to, especially the first time you're doing the event.
1: Yeah, and there's always gonna be things to do better and differently. Like I feel like I learned this with my retainer clients too. Like every time we do a shoot for Hotel Lobby Candle, regardless of how much we plan, there's always like, ah, I should have got a shot doing this or I should have got a Mm -hmm. video clip doing that or like we didn't get this candle with that candle together and now everything is very wide shot and I have to like crop it in, which is better than having to do the inverse, but there's things that I would now do differently and I think even just between ATP and WTA, we approach it differently. My whole goal was like, What can get scheduled so that I'm not making graphics on site? Because when I have to make graphics on site, that means I'm not filming content. And when I'm not filming content, that's not giving us an opportunity to get high visibility because that's what the people want. And we need to give the people what they want. So scheduling, we use later to schedule a lot of things. Same with the emails for you. Like (laughs) after ATP, the both of us are both
0: like, oh God.
1: Yeah. And how do we make an email system with a scope of work and a standard operating procedure that says... Once the order of play gets sent out, you use this template, you change these five things and then you send it so that it doesn't have to get sent for approval to then be sent out. But we, that there's a standard process
0: for everything. That's where I could totally envision this getting to, you yeah. know? Well, we did, we did try to implement that. I think right. it's just like, as depending on the day, like things changed or rained or like whatever it was, or the priority for what we want is promote change. But that's also part of the event world, but it's also, you know, trying to figure out how you operate with that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. My dream would be to get my team out here next year, like to at least well, have yeah. Madison and at least have one of the video editors out here to just like have them to be able to delegate mm-hmm. things to, because I was exhausted. Well,
0: had we known you and I, I think both would have like not taken on any work during those weeks. Oh, so we had yeah. no idea the extent of it. And I was looking like we, added up our hours. I added a plus sign to mine. Cause I was like, it's probably more <laughs> like yeah. I, luckily I do track my time, but I don't think I tracked very much of it during ATP. Right.
1: Well, and it was a thing of like, I wanted to be there on site, but I also wanted to experience the event. Like right. I was also excited to be there as a fan and as like a spectator mm-hmm. and, and to yeah. watch like sports are so fun. And, and although I'm not like a sports fan, Person, I really like sports energy. Like, I like the sense of community. I like the fanfare. I like the people rallying behind someone. Like, I'm really attracted to that. And so it was about capturing that too, and not just the plays, but how do we film the crowd? How do we? I put together an entire folder in Google Photos of just things, videos, and photos that we could use again next year to promote the event that didn't show any specific players in it whatsoever, because every year the draw changes, right? So I think having that, like thinking about the content in a forward motion way also is really going to be to our advantage on this.
0: Yeah, it's huge. Okay. I feel ready for our meeting now. Do you? (laughs) Yeah, I do. I feel like I'm actually like looking at you because I haven't read everything that you put in here either. So yeah, yeah.
1: I ended the whole presentation with like a little like brag slide of just great. nice messages and emails and DMS that like either you guys sent me or that came through on the San Diego open account that really showcase that people were really receptive to the work that we did. Cause I think that those are nice to include as just like a final, you know, put a bow on it kind
0: of, mm-hmm. kind of vibe. No, so, this yeah. is great. And now we're going to go like have a martini and
1: yeah. go over yeah. this with them.
0: Yeah. I'm looking forward to
1: it. I think this is
0: going to be a good, and,
1: and, and what a great practice to pull together this type Mm -hmm. of document in a really branded and polished way of even if they don't hire us back, which I think that that could happen. I would hope so based on our performance, but even if they don't, like we at least now have the experience of what it's like to take on this scope of work and then summarize it. And I think the summary is is so valuable.
0: Yeah. It's huge. I mean, even just for us and like other projects we have coming up to say like, this is what we're capable of doing. We talked about like, we should do this for tennis tournaments everywhere. We're like, Oh God, no. (laughs) Yeah. No, I don't know that I can do that again. I feel strongly about doing
1: a San Diego one just because we're from here and it's easy. But I mean, even with like, and that's the crazy thing is like, I went straight from this to Adobe max for, for three days straight. And the vibe of like not taking, and this is the biggest lesson I think I've learned for myself in this experience is like, I thrive on a chaotic schedule, but I also don't need to work this hard. (laughs) Right. Like I, in hindsight would have, like you said, not taken on a branding project this Mm -hmm. month or, or offloaded some of the other responsibilities to really dive in 100%. And not to say I didn't give hundred percent on this. I think, I think we did, but like, it would have been
0: a totally different thought experiment to do this if I had nothing else on my plate. Right. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. I was interviewing somebody this morning, and I actually said to her, she is familiar with cosmetic aesthetic, and I said, you know, I was with Michelle at this tennis event, and you were like, you need to hire people for X, Y, and Z, and I'm like, you're, you're right, I do, because what it made me realize is that like I love the clients I have on what I do with like small business management, and everyone is a little bit different, but it made me really realize like what falls to the bottom of the pile when like what uh, of my priorities with my different clients and when there's something like this, and it's not just about taking on an event. This is like about being an entrepreneur and what falls to the bottom of the pile when you have something to do, like something happens with your family or like you have to deal with something personal. You know what I mean? Like, I think it was like a good lesson in that too, to just see like how my time's being managed. And also, like you said, I don't want to be on call 24 hours a day. And that's okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and, and deciding what is the thing of all of this that you feel you do, you are the best at and how Mm -hmm. do you stay on for the thing that you're the best at? And then figuring out like, okay, what are some of the things that like I could maybe outsource or get help with? Right. So like if I had one of my team members there, I would have put one of them in charge of you're responsible for filming all of the sponsor content. Like I want you, here's your list of all the sponsors that you have to hit during these nine days, coordinate with them, go film their content, edit their content, and then hand it over to me and I'll get to post right. it posted. Because that was a yeah. thing that took a lot of creative brain power and coordination. And for every opportunity that I was filming sponsor content, I wasn't capturing content to promote the event. I wasn't capturing yeah. that
0: content that was going to perform well. It wasn't in our scope to do sponsorship stuff. And I think that's like, you know, one of the things that I mentioned at the beginning was like understanding what the sponsor deliverables were, because This was, hey, they didn't provide it to us. So can you go do this? Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of that fell down, which it wasn't. it's less than ideal
1: (laughs) well and i think to on the sponsor side i don't think that they knew what they were getting so as soon as they saw that we went to stretch lab and filmed a full reel for them and cross posted it and collaborated post they're like well where's mine um so it was just kind of like when i think being really really explicit on deliverables helps um and being really explicit on like for me like me saying like i'll do instagram and tiktok but I'm not doing Twitter. And if they want to add on Twitter, I'll be like, you cannot hire me to do Twitter. I'm not a Twitter person. I'm not on Twitter. I don't get Twitter. And my recommendation for them will be hire a tennis person to run the Twitter. 100%. Like Like hire someone who knows tennis to run the Twitter, because that's where it's going to be really important. Because tweeting out like beautiful day, like we were joking, (laughs) we were laughing so hard in like the late hour delusion of me trying to write captions and kind of knowing tennis, but like not. No. Enough and running out of caption ideas. Where, if you scroll back and you look at these captions, like I used tennis is heating up in San Diego. <laughs> I think fourteen what? times, and like granted, over a hundred posts. That's not that world big World Class, world class, t- top tier tennis in San world Diego.
0: Class, um, top tier. We use those words way too much.
1: That kind of stuff, where America, see the world's finest athletes in America's finest city. Like I yeah. use those phrases yeah. like consistently, which is not. A Bad thing, but I think, and again, that being the blessing of this situation is like not knowing tennis made it so that anybody could understand the captions. Because if I just come at it be like so and so defeats so and so with a score of blah 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 blah, like that's not the most audience engaging kind of content. But I think for Twitter, like you got to be like you got to know your stuff, right? So it's interesting. Well, thank you for recapping with me. Definitely glad that we got this um, materialized. This guide. I feel like this is going to be a resource I'm going to want to share with the Facebook group anyway. So if you're in the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group, keep your eyes out for this, because I think this is a template is kick ass. Yeah.
0: So yeah, definitely. We'll be sharing more of that. And just the way we like shared the information was showing with, uh, I think what's important versus like totally doing every crazy analytic possible, like just kind of how you even showed like, those video analytics on the reels. Like that is Mm -hmm. so huge to show people how to break those out.
1: Yeah. And to understand it, because at the end of the day, the tennis people aren't social media people and we're the social media people and we need to give them the information in a way that tennis people can understand. And I think that goes for all clients across all platforms. Wonderful. Alrighty. Well, I will see you soon. And thanks everybody for listening and go follow San Diego Open. Go back and look at all the work on Instagram and TikTok and go onto the website, of course, and the digital program. Um, We didn't even talk about print design. We did so many print design things. There's so much to this. And if you have more questions, as always, you can write them into podcast at mkwcreative.co. Thanks, Catherine. Thank you. Bye. Bye. The Kiss My Aesthetics book group is also going to be a killer resource for you to ask questions, get feedback on anything branding, marketing, or entrepreneurship related. And to catch today's show notes or anything that we talked about in this episode, make sure you go to mkwcreative.co slash KMA pod. We'll catch you next time.